one of my favorite movies is To Kill a Mockingbird. Now, I love the characters Scout and her older brother, Jim. The children who played in those parts really did a great job. Scout was a tomboy, and she struggled with tact. Basically, if she thought it, she said it. Now, Jim was a little bit better. He was a little bit kinder and more diplomatic, but he struggled with his sister, following him around everywhere and just pestering him. But my favorite character in the movie is Atticus Finch, their father. Now, he wasn't in all the scenes of the movie, but you could feel his presence throughout. Now, he was portrayed by Gregory Peck, who did a wonderful job. In fact, over Gregory Peck's lifetime, he was nominated for five Academy Awards, but the only time he won was for To Kill a Mockingbird. Now, it's interesting because the author of the book, Harper Lee, now this wrote this story based on her childhood, growing up, and Atticus was based on her father. And so that character especially was dear to her heart. And she just didn't think Gregory Peck was the right choice. She didn't think he was going to be able to pull it off. And she was skeptical right until the moment he stepped out of wardrobe. He came out in an older suit that her father would have worn. And even though he was several years younger than her father, he seemed to embody Atticus. And he started looking like her father. One day they were filming on set and they were filming a particularly emotional scene. And Gregory Peck looked over and he happened to see that Harper Lee, who was there during the filming, she had tears in her eyes. And he thought it was because he was portraying Atticus in such a way, he nailed it. He had evoked these tender memories, obviously, in her mind. And, and so after the scene was over, he walked over to check on her and he asked her, are you okay? And she said, oh yes, you have a little pot belly just like my father. <laughs> Well, without missing a beat, he said, that's just good acting, my dear. <laughs> now, if you think back to the movie for a second, how would you describe the character of Atticus Finch? What would be the words that you would use, the adjectives? Maybe kind or wise or merciful? Well, how do you know that? How do you make that judgment? It's based on what you see in the movie, his actions, the way Gregory Peck portrayed him carrying out his life. You saw those values by the way he acted. And so we judge Atticus to be someone who was kind because we saw how he treated his children, tucking them in bed, reading Scout a book every night. We see that Atticus is someone who is wise because he seems to always pause and reflect before saying anything. He pays special attention to the other person's point of view. We judge Atticus to be someone who's compassionate because of how we saw him treat Tom Robinson, the character who he defended in the courtroom. And we can see that Atticus is someone who values hospitality, and he wants that for his children as well. Jim tended to do better than Scout did. And there's a great scene in the movie where Jim invites a little boy home for dinner. 
His name is Walter Cunningham. And he invites him home for dinner because Scout had fought with him right after school was out. And so Jem was kind of smoothing the waters, and he invites this little boy home for dinner. Now, Walter came from a very poor family, and so he wasn't used to such a nice meal. And he asked for syrup for his food. Now, Atticus, being the gracious host, asked for syrup to be brought in. But he started getting a little nervous when he saw this boy pour it over his entire plate. He knew that he would keep quiet and be gracious, but he started looking nervously over at Scout. And she was starting to shake. She couldn't contain herself. And finally, she just blurts out, you're drowning all your food. He wanted his family to live these values. And throughout the movie, you can see that he was teaching them and and helping them to live those same values. To this day, if I see a picture from that movie, just a still, a frame of To To Kill a Mockingbird, I can see the value of Atticus Finch by what he was doing in the movie. This morning, we're starting a new sermon series entitled Snapshots. We're going to be looking at brief moments, a snapshot in time that captures a value being lived out. Now, we can tell in a moment what kindness looks like or mercy or forgiveness. We know these things and we we can recognize them because we judge others by their actions. How are we going to reflect those same values? Throughout this series, we're going to be using very brief scriptures, as was evidenced earlier when Reverend Poteet read that short scripture. We're going to be using brief scriptures throughout the series that capture in a moment the nature of God by showing what God is doing. A picture of God and a picture of who God is by showing what God does. Now, we believe we're created in the image of God and that we were made to reflect God's image to the world. And so not only should we reflect God by what we do, but what we do should reflect the values that God wants us to live in life. Now, it's been said, we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge others by their actions. That's a fascinating statement. We judge ourselves by our intentions, and we judge others by their actions. I think the world would be a better place if we reversed that statement, if we judged others by their intentions. And since it's impossible for us to know someone else's thoughts, we give them the benefit of the doubt, trusting that they would have the same, if not better, intentions than we would have had. And then we judge ourselves by our actions. Now, I'm not talking about being harsh or critical. I'm not talking about beating ourselves up over the things that we've done or not done or, or carrying around a lot of guilt. I'm just saying that we can live with an expectation that the good intentions we have should translate to action more often than not. In this morning's scripture, We see Jesus has gone to Jerusalem with his disciples. 
You know, this is the last week of his life, and he is facing death. And he's asked his disciples to set about preparations for the Passover meal, to get everything ready. And when they do that, he stands up in the meal and and he says these words that are very familiar to all of us. And yet I, I don't think that we can hear them enough. This is my body, which is given for you. Now, Jesus wasn't talking just about that loaf of bread. He wasn't just talking about the death and resurrection. This is something that encompasses his entire life. This is my life, my body, my love, which is given for you. I think these words are the heart of Christ's ministry and the root of his kindness. Now, this year at St. Luke's, the theme is the Kindness Project. We believe that the world can be a better place by the way we treat one another, respect them, and show kindness in the world. And so we've given out these kindness wristbands, and we're encouraging you to start off the morning with them on your right wrist to remind you to do an act of kindness that day. Everyone here is a nice person, always doing nice things. And so what we're challenging you to do is to do something beyond the normal, nice, kind things that are part of your day. Do something extra, an intentional act of kindness. And then when you do, switch your wristband to the other side. Because we believe kindness makes that kind of difference in the world. And so... We felt it appropriate to start off this new sermon series asking what kindness looks like and how we could be the picture of kindness in the world. And I think there are three things that can help us as we discuss them this morning. The first is that kindness comes more easily when you live in a state of joy. When you live in a a state of joy, it provides more opportunities for kindness. Now, joy is something different than happiness. Happiness is a great emotion, but it's fleeting, and it depends on all the circumstances of your life being good. Joy is a state of being. It's a choice that we make deep within to live with gratitude, to live with peace, to live in appreciation. And joy can be present no matter the circumstances of our lives. When we live in joy, it provides opportunities for kindness. For Jesus, when he entered into Jerusalem, he knew that the climate, the religious and political climate was such that they would not tolerate his ministry any longer. He knew that he was facing death. And so he gathers his disciples together, and after all the preparations were made and the food was prepared, he tells them, I have earnestly desired to share this meal with you. Now think of someone who's facing death, the choices that they make. They choose the most important things in their lives. And so what he's telling the disciples is that more than anything else, I wanted to share this Passover meal with you. He wanted to spend that meal in a time of joy, a joyful celebration in gratitude for God and his disciples to celebrate with them. And it was out of that joyful state of being, despite the circumstances, he could live in joy. 
and kindness could flow out of that. There would be several moments throughout the meal that he was particularly kind and compassionate to the disciples by what he said and what he did. There would be a time in the meal that he would get up and he would kneel down in front of each disciple and he'd wash their feet. And then he went on to serve them wine and bread, saying the words, this is my body given for you. If we will live in a state and being of joy, we'll find that we'll have more opportunities for kindness. Recently, I read a story about a young man who was performing a very kind act, and it really seemed to flow out of his joyful spirit. His name is Grant Kelly, and he is a senior at Anderson High School in Anderson, Indiana. Now, he's one of the most popular students there. He's the school mascot. He plays on the soccer team. He's in the show choir. And for the past two years in a row, he's been part of both the prom and homecoming courts. He's very respected and admired, and, and especially by one young lady by the name of Destiny. Destiny McLemore is a junior at Anderson High School, and she's part of their special needs program. She has significant cognitive delay and and motor delays. And one of the unique things that Anderson High School does is they hold a prom for their special needs students in addition to their other prom. And Destiny had decided that she wanted to invite Grant Kelly to be her date. Now, her mother wasn't sure how this would turn out, but she helped her daughter come up with this colorful poster that read, Grant Kelly, will you go to the special needs prom with me? Well, she took a picture of Destiny holding up the sign and and they posted it on Facebook and they didn't have to wait long before Grant replied. And his Facebook post said, I would love to go to the prom with you, Destiny. And I was struck by how in just a few words, just a moment, I got a picture of what this young man is like, the values he lives in life. He is someone who is kind and generous and lives in a state of joy. He's friendly, and that's how destiny came to know him, because he was that kind of person all through his life. Well, A local news station did an interview, and and they were asking Destiny's mom questions about the situation, and and she talked about how many times Destiny is rejected in life, how many times people make fun of her, stare at her, and, and wonder out loud what's wrong with her. And she said what meant so much to her was this young man's enthusiasm and joy. She said that when his friends started questioning him, are you really going to go through with this? He said, absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Now think about that. Here was a young man, he's invited to the special needs prom on Facebook where everybody could see, he could have been embarrassed. He could have been frustrated about being put on the spot. He could have answered back just saying yes, or okay, and that way he was doing the right thing and yet still letting everyone know that he wasn't that excited about it. But he showed his joy 
He showed his enthusiasm. And when that same interview came over to ask him questions, he was quick to put aside any notion that he had done anything special. He put all the attention back on destiny, and he talked about what a great young lady she is and how much fun he had at the prom with her, how beautiful she is, and and how much he loves hanging out with her. It's because this young man lived joyfully that he caught the attention of others, including destiny. And she chose him to be her date, and they had a wonderful time. His gift of kindness blessed so many in that community. One of the ways that we want to share and highlight this sermon series is through social media. If you look in your bulletin, you'll find that we're going to be having a snapshot-a-day challenge starting next week where there will be a word or a value each day that we're asking you to capture in a photograph or a snapshot and then post that to social media. Now, please understand that social media is one of the ways, many ways, that we share God's message of love And you can help us not only by participating in the snapshot-a-day challenge, but also when you're on social media, we're not encouraging you to be on it more, just when you're on it and you read a message from St. Luke's that you like, go ahead and like it and share it, and it just helps us reach even more people. We're hoping this challenge is something fun that suggests joy and uplifts the Uh, the kindness project in a different way. Second, kindness makes time for others. Jesus made time for his disciples. As someone who was facing his death, time was the best gift he could give. It was precious to him. It was fleeting. And so he wanted to spend that evening with his disciples. But that wasn't just for one evening. That's the hallmark of his ministry. Jesus made time for the disciples, but he also made time for the woman at the well. And Jesus also made time for a blind man who needed to see. And Jesus makes time for us today. Kindness makes time for people. We have a set of SAF values here at St. Luke's, a set of values that we think embody the way that God wants us to live in life and serve the church. And we believe that if we practice these values and talk about these values each week, they'll be reflected in our actions at work. Now, one of the actions that we really talk about that embodies kindness is when we take someone to the room where they're going. Now, here at the downtown campus, it's a large facility. There are lots of meetings that happen all during the week, and we have lots of first-time guests on a Sunday morning. And so inevitably, we come across people who don't know where the space is at or where they're headed. And so we really try to take the initiative and ask, how can I help you or what are you looking for? And when they tell us, Instead of just pointing and giving them directions, as often as we can, we try to lead them to the room. Now, this isn't a big deal, to be honest. It's not like we're uh, pulling people from a burning building or paying off their mortgage. We're just walking them to a room. It only takes a couple minutes. It takes only a little bit of effort. 
but I'm always amazed at the reaction because in today's society, we're not used to people giving us their time. When we give people our time, it says that we think that they're more important than anything we're doing. When we give people our time, it says that we consider them a child of God. And so kindness makes time for people. That means in your conversations, you need to look at the person you're talking with and be sure to listen to what they're saying. Put down the phones and shut down the computers in the midst of conversations. It means no more multitasking for the sake of relationships, but focus on the people that you're with. Now, I think a lot of times we try to overcomplicate it, but it really isn't that complicated. It's just letting people know that they're worth the time. They're that valuable to us. As I mentioned before, Gregory Peck really brought Atticus to life for me. And I think one of the reasons he was so successful is because he embodied many of the same traits that we saw in Atticus. He was a kind and generous man. He would develop a lifelong friendship with Brock Peters, the actor who portrayed Tom Robinson, the man who was falsely accused in the film. In fact, it was Brock Peters who delivered the eulogy at Gregory Peck's funeral. But Gregory Peck also paid close attention to the children. They were very young at the time, and and he would follow them the rest of his life. He would call them up and check in on them. That meant so much to them, the boy who played Jem, and especially for the girl who played Scout, Mary. She was someone who, because she was only nine years old when the filming started, she started to look at Atticus and Gregory as additional fathers in her life. Shortly after high school, her mother died. And then a few years later, her father died. And Gregory Peck helped to fill a void in her life. And all through the years, he'd call and check on her. He would spend that time engaged with her, asking how she was doing, seeing what she needed, helping her to see that she was important. He would invite her out to spend time with him and his family. It just communicated that she was a person that meant the world to him. Kindness gives time for others. And third, kindness can become like second nature to us. Now, sometimes we will have to practice the discipline of kindness simply because kindness is the right thing to do. And so there will be times that we're just not in the mood to be kind. Be kind anyway. There will be times that our schedules are just too packed and it's not convenient. Be kind anyway. And we'll find that if we practice kindness over and over and over, it becomes a part of our life. We'll find that if we take on a, a life of joy and we make time for others, there will be countless opportunities for acts of kindness in the world, and it will become like second nature to us. If you're ever worshiping here downtown in the sanctuary and you notice a large arrangement of sunflowers on the altar, chances are they were given by Virginia Johnson. Now, 
Virginia is a longtime member of St. Luke's. She recently turned 101, and sunflowers are her favorite flower. Now, I've never known anyone who matches a flower like she does, but she is bright and cheerful and sunny disposition, just like the flowers that she loves. If you see flowers, sunflowers on the altar, chances are they're from Virginia. Well, last Sunday, downtown in Threefold, we had a special event. The author, Jane Thrash, was here signing copies of her book. And Jane is the daughter of Virginia Johnson. And Virginia was here with her daughter supporting her. And I think that whenever someone asked Jane to sign a copy of her book, they just slid it over and asked Virginia to sign it too. Well, after worship, I went by to visit with them and and I shared a story, a memory I had of Virginia that happened a few years ago, and I asked Virginia about sharing it with you this morning. It took place about three or four years ago, and it was a Sunday morning that I walked in, and sure enough, it was a sunflower Sunday. This huge, beautiful arrangement of sunflowers, and I looked in my bulletin, and they were from Virginia. I had plans that particular afternoon to leave after church was over to go and visit a patient in the hospital. Well, I visited with some people after the 1050 worship service, and I talked with a few people, but I made my way to the hospital, and I walked in the room, and there on the table I saw a vase that had several sunflowers in it. And I told the family, I know who's been here. And they started laughing, and they said, yes, Virginia's already been here and gone. Well, I shared that story with Jane and Virginia, and I was teasing Virginia, and I said, you must have been speeding to beat me to the hospital like that. And she kind of laughed. Her daughter went on to tell me the rest of the story. She said on that particular day, she had helped her mother to divide up all of the sunflowers into vases and jars And not only had Virginia beat me to that patient's room, she had already come and gone because she had several other deliveries to make. To this day, when I see a sunflower, I think of Virginia. And when I think of Virginia, I see kindness. Because that's become second nature to her. It's a way that she lives her life. I think we can have kindness become a way of life for us. If someone were to take a picture of your life, a snapshot, would they see you living kindness? If we choose to live in joy and make time for others, if we will follow in the steps of Christ, God will help us to become pictures of kindness for the world. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers.